0: This episode of Zero to Travels brought to you by the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder with seven drive modes. The Pathfinder's available intelligent 4x4 is built for even the most epic journeys. Learn more at nissanusa.com. Okay, who wants to go campervanning through New Zealand? Raise your hand, please. Would you like to drive around the North Island, the South Island, exploring, soaking in incredible nature? Getting million-dollar views for free, eating meals outside in the open air while looking at the most epic mountain scenery you've ever taken in your life. Who wants to do that? Do you want to do that? Okay, cool. We're going to do that today. In today's show, my guests share their experience camper campervanning around New Zealand. They share what resources and apps they use to find the best places to sleep for free, Tips on where to travel, how to get good Wi-Fi, what makes traveling around New Zealand such a unique experience. Oh, you're going to love it. I know I did. This is a huge thing on my bucket list. Going to get it done one day. And this interview was a step in that direction. I'm so excited to share it with you. And I'm going to have a shout out as well to somebody in the community who took time off and said it was the best decision she ever made and consequently is now traveling to New Zealand. So if you've ever been thinking about taking time off from your job or from school or whatever you're doing, the story could be one for you. So stick around for that and so much more as we get into the last episode of this month's theme, Four-Wheeled Wandering. It's wrapping up today in New Zealand. Thanks again for being here and welcome Hey there, it's Jason with ZeroToTravel.com. Welcome to the show, my friend. Thank you so very much for spending time here with me today, hanging out, letting me bring a little travel into your ears. This is the show to help you travel the world on your terms, to fill your life with as much travel as you desire, no matter what your situation or experience. I couldn't wait to record this episode because, A, this couple is always a pleasure to chat with, and they give great advice on things that, they have experienced themselves. And they just give you the the straight scoop in a way that you can easily get your head around. So in today's interview, for example, they kind of broke down the three levels of sleeping options when it comes to camper vanning around New Zealand. That's just one example uh, of one of the things we cover today. Also, should you rent a camper van? Should you buy one and resell it? Which option is the best for you? We get into it all And the second reason I couldn't wait to record this episode and share it with you is just because, well, selfishly, this is something I want to do. So getting to talk to somebody who's done it and really pick their brain is always a fun thing. And it also gets it back on my radar and it's taking a small step towards a bucket list item or a travel dream. Anytime you have a conversation with somebody that's been there and you start asking questions and you're curious about it and you want to learn and you soak up that knowledge, it does tend to make that a more real item where you say, okay, hey, this is something I want to do one day. Let me learn more about this. And that can reignite the fire within. And maybe if this is something that you want to do one day, this show will do the same for you. On the other side of the program, as I mentioned at the top of the show, am going to be giving a shout out to somebody who took a break from college and you'll hear how that turned out. For her. I think you're going to like how that turned out. And it might give you something to think about if you're considering taking a break from work or from college or whatever you're doing to travel. This is just one story. But hey, sharing these stories I know makes a difference in people's lives. And I love sharing them and I love hearing from people in the community. Whatever your story is, get in touch. Jason at zero to travel.com is my email. I read all the emails, any reviews you put up, anything. I love to check those things out and hear from you. This is a two-way conversation. This is a community-powered show. Thanks for being a part of the Zero to Travel Caravan. And please introduce yourself, say hi at some point if you've been listening to this show for a while and I haven't heard from you. Come on, what are you waiting for? (laughs) I do wanna hear from you. And no, you don't have to wait till you quit your job or do something dramatic. Just drop me a line and say hi, no big deal. Let me know what you're up to. It's all good. Okay, one last thing before the interview. Aeropress Coffee Maker, aeropressinc.com. They're supporting today's show. And I can tell you one thing for certain when it comes to gear, if I go camper through New Zealand or anywhere, I will have my Aeropress Coffee Maker with me because there is no way I would go traveling for months in a vehicle or something like that without bringing it because I want to have an incredible cup of coffee every day. And this thing makes the best cup of coffee you've ever had. And you have to see it. If you've never used an AeroPress, go to aeropressinc.com, A-E-R-O-Pressinc.com. You can check it out. You can make coffee in one to three minutes. You can clean the thing in about five seconds. And then you're sipping on incredibly delicious coffee. Oh, it's so good. It's changed my life. I've been using this thing almost daily for some years now. And... I want you to check it out because it's great for travel as well. There's no moving parts. It just works with a press. You don't have to plug it in. It's super simple to use. It's pretty light but durable. And it's something you'll want to take with you out on the road. And you can take your great coffee anywhere you go. Aeropressinc.com. I'm a super fan. And if you love coffee get one because you will be too also inexpensive around 35 bucks right now at the time of this recording so check that out and thanks to them for supporting today show okay let's get into this interview and i will see you on the other side my friend My guests today spent the first year of their marriage visiting all 50 United States in an RV and after that decided, well, why not just keep traveling? And that was over four years ago. They were on this show back in January of 2017 and in that episode, they shared their entire story. We also talked about the RV lifestyle and shared strategies on how you can eliminate your debt while you travel and a ton more. So if you haven't heard that one, you should go back into the archives and listen to it. Anyway... Ever since then, I've been dying to have them back on the show, and they're finally here again, this time to share advice on traveling in a camper van around New Zealand, which is something that has been on my travel to-do list for quite some time. You can follow their adventures at heathandalyssa.com. They have a fantastic podcast as well called The RV Entrepreneur and a new best-selling book that we're going to talk about today, A Beginner's Guide to Living in an RV. We're going to get into it right now, Heath and Alyssa. Welcome to the Zero to Travel podcast, my friends. Welcome back.
2: Thanks for having us, Jason. <laughs> Thanks. But mostly, all it's all about the camper vaning New Zealand. That's like <laughs> the thing that we're probably geeked out most excited <sighs> about. And
0: <laughs> it is the thing I'm most excited about. Well, I'm excited to talk about everything that I just mentioned and a bunch more. But yeah, the camper vaning thing has been something in New Zealand I've wanted to do for so long. I mean, first I do have to say, Alyssa, congrats on the book. Thank you. <laughs> a Beginner's Guide to Living in an RV, Everything I Wish I Knew Before Full-Time RVing Across America. Great title because, of course, now yeah, immediately, yeah, <laughs> I want to know everything that you wish you knew. Yeah, I saw it. So like a bestseller, and I even saw a Facebook video of you recently that Heath shared where you were getting emotional because like Amazon had it in one of their stores or whatever. Like, tell me about this book. Like, how did it come about? How long have you been writing it? And what's going on?
1: Yeah, so Heath and I, I think we'd been RVing for about three years, and and blogging about RVing for that whole time, and I kept getting the same email every day of people being like, "How do you get mail on the road?" And to me, I'm like, "Okay, I travel full time, and your question for me is about mail. Like, <laughs> that is the most boring possible question that you could ask me about like full time travel." and and I kept getting that question and a few other questions over and over and over and the book really came out of just my desire to not have to answer that question anymore and to just you know make this resource where everything was in one place cuz there was there's a few other books out there that are about RV living and basic stuff like mail and internet and RV insurance and health insurance and all those sorts of things um but there wasn't any that we were that were doing really well they all had pretty poor reviews and things like that and what?
2: I was just going to say that some of them were doing like surprisingly well, though, even though they like... Even the
1: though cr- they had like two-star reviews. Yeah, exactly. So so we realized, okay, well, if we write a book, it would be like a really good solution to this, this problem that we were seeing. And, you know, we could just have this resource where all of our answers, all of our knowledge from the three years of RVing that we had would be all in one place. So I started writing it in 2016. And... I, you know, I had all the content, like my first draft done and I got super nervous and just totally psyched myself out. Like I am, I was probably what, 25, 26 at the time, 25 thinking like, I am not like the ideal RV or like most RVers are in their fifties and their sixties or they're retired. Like no one is going to read a book by a 25 year old girl about RVing. The imposter syndrome
0: attack, right? (laughs) Yes.
1: The imposter syndrome. It got me so hard. And so I think I waited about a year before I even revisited the book. And like the book was done. I had already written the whole thing. I added a couple chapters by the time I revisited it. But I did. I had already put so much into it and written like 30,000 words. And and I had just kind of given up because I got scared and then revisited it a year later, had a, an accountability, accountability partner kind of Hold my hand through the whole putting it on Amazon thing. Cause that's, that was another big intimidating thing. We had, Heath had written a book previously and we had sold it on Gumroad just directly through our website. And, we had been kind of toying with this idea of putting a book on Amazon and putting any kind of product on Amazon because it's like the number one e commerce site in the world, right? It makes sense if you're going to be an online entrepreneur. Like Amazon is the place to sell your stuff. And so we went through that whole process and got it up on Amazon, really not knowing much about how Amazon worked, but did a ton of research into figuring that out. And apparently, there's been a big need for. Books on RV life because it has done really, really well, about a million times better than we expected. And I've been really happy with it. And that was kind of what allowed us to then go to New Zealand and Australia for a couple months because we had that passive income built up.
0: Uh, what a great feeling. And I'm, I'm just so excited for you guys because I, I think everybody has a book in them and, and there's this burning desire, especially when you do this kind of work, right? Where you get these questions because I get certain emails on specific topics and I am like, I've been wanting to write this book that I know in my head for a while. So you're inspiring me right now because you guys have done it and you got it out there. And was it a struggle to do the writing part? I mean, it sounds like the struggle came afterwards when you had the imposter syndrome, but as far as just putting it together, were you just kind of, did you just go for it? Did you write every day? How did that work for you?
1: For me, the writing was the easiest part. Like once I started, it just kind of, All spilled out of me. And I think a big contributing factor to why that was so easy is because we have our Facebook group, the RV Entrepreneur, where we've got like, I don't know, 11 or 12,000 people in there that are constantly posting questions and thoughts about RVing. And so I had this like built-in data pool with all the research that I needed for even if there were things that I didn't know the answer to, like what type of generator is best, like I don't. I don't, there's a generator built into this RV. I have no idea how it works or what it is, but that's a really common question we get. So I could just look in our Facebook group and get all this information. And I had all this resource, like all these resources in one place. So I think that was probably the biggest asset that we had is being able to kind of leverage our audience into making this book a million times easier because we knew exactly what our audience was actually looking for.
0: Yeah. I think it's a great general strategy for anybody, really, because you can build a community on Facebook for free. And if you, you, Mm -hmm. of course, like you guys truly care about your community, right? There's a difference between, oh, just throwing it up there and just being like, let me get these people and just get information (laughs) from them. And, you know, it's like you have to Care about them, and you know, be one of them in a sense. I mean, you guys are living this lifestyle and everything, and when those things come together, it's all right there, right? I mean, you have you have all the questions that you're getting, you have all the resources for the answers. So then it's just about sitting down and writing the book. But still, you have to sit down and write the book. So anyway, I just wanted to say congrats on that because that's a that's a really big deal. Um, Thank you. An easy thing to do, and we'll link up to that book in the show notes, of course. So let's talk about. New Zealand. Why New Zealand?
1: (laughs) You know, whenever we said, you know, we went to camper van New Zealand, about 10 people came back to me and they were like, oh my gosh, it is the most beautiful place in the world. Like I've traveled all over. It's number one. And I was kind of like taken aback. Like y'all need to calm down. Like because everyone was so emphatic that New Zealand (laughs) was the absolute best. And I was like, I kind of just want to go there because RVing is really popular there and they speak English. And other than the fact that they drive on the left side of the road, it would be really easy for us to, you know, fly over there in RV and get this experience without international travel being too intimidating. Because it
2: it's like our first big international trip, right. and because we want to do it by RV, right? And yeah, so it's like that's our thing in New Zealand. It's like built for camper vaning. Like mm-hmm. if you run, you go into the towns. There's dump stations. The parking lots have signs everywhere. That's like camper van parking this way. And it's totally not like that in the US. And so just from everything we'd seen, we're like, we want to go to Asia. We want to go to Europe. We want to go to all these other places. But we, we needed
1: to dip our toes we, in the we water. Wanna, Yeah, we
2: wanted to do it by RV. And we just heard so many good things.
1: But it turns out, as soon as we landed in New Zealand, everyone was completely right. That it is the most beautiful country
2: ever. Yeah, you feel like you're in a giant national park.
1: Everywhere is like a national park. There's not an ugly piece.
0: <laughs> yeah. And you guys have spent a lot of time in the Western United States, which is an area of the world that i love and i know is so beautiful and that so that's saying a lot
2: one of the big things with new zealand that we had heard a little bit was freedom camping is a big thing. So it's a little bit controversial in New Zealand, but they have these freedom campsites that they've designated. And some people like anything that is free, people abuse it and they leave their trash out and things like that. Uh, so they've had to pull back on some of the freedom campsites. But if you utilize them in a respectful way, you can go visit New Zealand and you can stay in some of the most gorgeous places ever. Like I'm talking beachfront, lakefront, lake front, mountain front. Uh, and and they're free campsites. And so as long as you have a self-contained vehicle, so all the vehicles in New Zealand have a self-contained, that are self-contained, have a self-contained vehicle sticker. So it basically means you have a toilet inside, so you can park wherever. Um, As long as it's designated, it allowed us to go to some of these, the most beautiful places and Mm -hmm. see the country and only have to stay in a handful of holiday parks, which are their versions of campgrounds.
1: So I think we probably had like over a month's worth of free Lodging, so to speak, from just parking in these free camping areas, which is that's not at least in America, that's not that common to be able to find. No,
0: that because RV spots can cost as much as a hotel, like a Motel Six or oh, something. Oh, totally, yeah, you and know? they're getting
2: like nicer and nicer. And I think what was cool for us is we were coming from like our first year on the road, we bought this ratty old twenty-year-old RV, like had some savings, like bought it. We're going to go on this big road trip. It's going to be a big adventure. And then after we realized we liked RVing. Uh, We upgraded to like a newer, nicer Winnebago and we had like our workspace Alyssa could edit. And we had kind of gotten a little bit almost too comfortable because we were just like staying in lots of campgrounds and whatever. And then so going to New Zealand, we we were in a camper van, which is small. It's
1: 23 feet.
2: Yeah. So seven meters. And for them, that's a big camper van but for us like we downsized by 10 feet so it felt really tiny. That's
1: about as small as they get in America for RVs.
2: What was kind of cool was like it pushed us to go be a lot more adventurous because that's the reason why we chose this lifestyle so we could go out and and visit amazing places and experience nature and get close to it but by getting a bigger rig and choosing to do so because of like workspace and things like that we I don't know it just what it kind of became a little bit not as exciting as it was before. So being in New Zealand in a smaller rig, we could be a lot more adventurous.
1: You're saying like re-fall in love with the RV I, lifestyle? Yeah, it sounds
2: corny, but
0: yeah, pretty much. <laughs> it sounds like you, you kind of went from staying in the... The Marriott to, to going back to the hostel world or something, you know. It, it kind of yeah yeah kind of in ways.
2: So it's like I mean you just take the rig and uh, like I remember one day specifically where I I literally thought like oh man RV life is cool because I we woke up really early we're in a town called Wanica. And it's this gorgeous little town, there's mountains all around, there's Lake Wanaka, and there's this very like well-known hike that a lot of people go do, and it's like you climb up at sunrise and you get the corny Instagram photo or whatever. But it's like a six-hour like round-trip hike if you do it kind of leisurely and slow, you can do it faster. But I woke up at sunrise a little bit before and like wanted to go do the hike by myself, and Alyssa was like staying at the RV and sleeping and get some work done. And I'd I was
1: am- not about to hike to a, the <laughs> summit of a mountain.
2: And but I remember like getting back down after like, you know, it's only 11 a.m. I just did this amazing hike. It was beautiful. There's sheep everywhere. And I get down there and like I take a shower in the parking lot and just like take a little nap. And I'm like, your home's right here. And I just got off the trail like this is really, really cool.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, well, I'm there right now. Alyssa, <laughs> you said you didn't really want to go up the mountain. Do you guys like to do a lot of activities together when you're traveling or do you kind of? break off this is a total sidebar but it's almost kind of fun
1: to do stuff separate <laughs> we're because we, we are always together we like we run our business together so we're always always together but I I had injured my hip like a couple months before we left for New Zealand so I was like I I physically like couldn't do it but I really we did do a lot of other easier hikes that one like if you look at the description for Roy's Peak the word excruciating is used often. Yeah. So I was like, I'm just not going to try this. It's one. a heavy and adjective,
0: it, but, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and when it,
2: just, just for clarification, when I say like doing stuff separately, it is just because we always are always together all the time, 24 <laughs> seven. So it is kind of nice to like have a separate half day where like I go do something and actually have something to share with her. Like there was these really cool sheep. I met this, you know, like one time, like I went to, we rolled into a town and we were going to go hike to a glacier and I came back to the RV with a hitchhiker because in New Zealand, it's a common thing. <laughs> To hitchhike everywhere, and it was our goal during our trip. Like we've got this camper van, like why don't we pick somebody up? Right. You know, it's like dumb and dumber. Pick <laughs> them up. I, dumb <laughs> anyway, uh, anyway, so it's just like fun little side adventures like that.
0: All right, so I think we did this in our previous podcast, which is funny because we kind of have to do it again. Just, just to kind of set this up, we need to define some of these terms because we've talked about freedom camping and camper vanning and and we haven't even said the word, but tramping and you know all these things which are essentially you know things you probably know what they mean in the, in the states or wherever but they just mean the same thing they just use different words in new zealand so you guys just want to give us a a little quick, quick lingo yeah quick lingo lesson
1: okay so like in america if you're gonna hike on a trail in new zealand you're gonna walk on a track so
2: That's it's common when. for people to in new zealand to go on like three or four day walks and the, the thing about which new,
1: sounds ridiculous to me, even now to go on a four day walk across like a mountain range is a thing.
2: Yeah. And I don't know if it's a difference in culture or just because they live in this beautiful place. Mm-hmm. But you can almost walk up to anybody like you can go to a gas station attendant. You can go to a random person on the street and just be like, hey, I'm looking for this nearby campsite or this nearby hiking trail. And people can go down the list and just be like, yeah, you should do this. I've done this. Like, it's very normal for people to just know where all the hikes are nearby just because all
1: the, all the freedom camp. spots. are very active. Yeah. All that.
2: Exactly. Yeah. Very active. So very free, active. freedom campsites are designated. So there's a few different types of campsites in New Zealand. You have freedom campsites, which are essentially government designated spots where if you are a self-contained vehicle with a restroom, you can camp there for free. And you shouldn't make a mess. You should always clean up after yourself. I feel like I always need to throw that in there because... (laughs) Like I leave said, people. Leave no
1: trace. Yeah, leave no
2: trace because people get upset because they're like, oh, you know, like you sh- don't abuse this. And it's like it's there for you to use and be respectful of the country and things like that. So I feel like we should always throw that in there. <laughs> There's also uh, DOC parks, which we stayed at as well. We bought a DOC camping pass. Mm-hmm. So those are like. Which
1: is the Department of Conservation.
2: So it's kind of like the our equivalent of state parks or something in the U.S.
1: Yeah, that'd probably be the closest. Yeah. Equivalent. So they're
2: like they're nice. They're facilitated, unlike freedom campsites, which are a lot of times they could be just like literally a parking lot or
1: like a grass
2: next to a lake or something like that these are actually like the best
1: one was that like little patch of dirt where like literally like three maybe three vans could fit but you're right on the beach. It's like the waves are like 10 feet away from you. Those are awesome. So those are awesome freedom spots.
2: So, yeah. So we also bought a DOC campsite pass, which was like maybe a hundred bucks. and
1: No, you do it by like how long? Yeah. Yeah. So we did it for a week and I think it was only like 50 bucks.
2: Oh, 50 bucks. Okay. So these are just nicer campgrounds, essentially. they I don't think they had hookups, but still they were pretty nice. And hookups are like electric water and stuff. And then the holiday parks are like your nicer... You know, private campgrounds essentially, and we bought like a top 10 membership and kind of like bounced around, which was this campground, a holiday park chain. Mm-hmm. So, if we wanted to like if go get a shower get or something <laughs> like that, like live it up a little bit, we would go to a holiday park.
0: Got it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, that's kind of an order of budget, sounds exactly like. yeah. Yeah. totally. Yeah.
2: And I would say rental wise. So, one of our big hangups before going over to New Zealand was what kind of vehicle do we want to get over there?
0: Well, this is the next question naturally. We have to get into, you know, this is the big decision. This is your home. This is the whole thing, right?
2: So one of the uh, main reasons, aside from just the fact that we wanted to go to New Zealand, we, we have a relationship with Winnebago in the US and they have a sister or cousin company, whatever you want to call it in New Zealand. So we were like, we'll just go over there and we'll do, you know, like we'll go through them because we have contacts over there. We ended up not doing that because we heard like, in a roundabout way, it wasn't the best rental partner in New Zealand. Mm -hmm. So we, somebody came to our summit, our RV Entrepreneur Summit, and they said, you should go through this company called Wilderness. They're amazing. They have cool looking rigs and they have like built-in Wi-Fi and stuff on board. And we're going to be renting it for a long time. So before we had found a rental company, we were looking at like options of like, RV swaps, so like people in uh, New Zealand who wanna come over to the US and like, could we swap an RV with them? But we didn't wanna do that because our rig is a lot bigger than what they're probably used to driving in right. New Zealand.
1: but if you do wanna do that RV Worldwide.
2: Is the name of that website, We're yeah. very
1: interested in doing that at some point.
2: Yeah, so if you're in like a really, if you're in Europe or Australia and you wanna like RV in the US and you wanna do a swap, hit us up, let us know. We're <laughs> we're open to talking. So uh, that that was one option. And So, the,
1: so those are motorhomes that we were looking at. Yeah. Like the equivalent to like a Winnebago in the States. And that's like the luxury kind of level of camper vanning. Most of the camper vans you're going to see are going to look like, like a Honda Odyssey, like a classic minivan. And then in the back, like where you've got your your trunk space, they'll have like a small kitchen and a small sink so that you can still have the ability to cook, but you won't have a bathroom. Those are probably the most common camper vans. That yeah, and that... those ones are like true camper vans. You might call what we were in more of a motor home, but it's, the term is still like your camper vanning in New Zealand. And then a lot of people just car camp. Yeah. A lot of people car camp or tent camp, I guess.
0: But you have to have the toilet to go to the freedom spots. Is that? Exa- yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. So, I mean, I know the swap would have been free, but because I know there are some big auction areas where you can buy camper vans and then people sell them back before they leave. Because I've looked into all this. I'm just wondering how... Deep down the rabbit hole you guys went there and and what like the costs of that versus the rental and all that.
2: So it's called a buyback program essentially. And no, we're no, li- no,
1: that's the one in Europe.
2: Yeah, but it's they have them in New Zealand too.
1: But we didn't look at them because we weren't gonna stay for long enough to make it worth it. If we were planning on going for more than three months and we were looking at like five months or six months, we would have looked at it. And we had friends that have, have done that where they bought a uh, camper van, like a, like a minivan size camper van. And they were in New Zealand for, I think, six months, and then they sold it and came back. Because you can
2: States. get a, apparently, pretty easily, we talked to a lot of people, you can get a working visa up until you're, like, 30 or 31 in New Zealand, mm-hmm. right?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how so long went, was your trip?
2: Two, a little over two months. Okay. Yep. And so, yeah, we were we had to come back for weddings, but we were looking at the longer-term options of, like, buying something and trying to sell it, but then it was, like, with registration. We ultimately just realized, like, Maybe we'll just do a long-term rental. And then we did like a kind of bookended our trip with an Airbnb stay to kind of break it up. So our rental wasn't insanely long. So we ended up doing like 48 days in our rental unit.
0: For people listening, if you're gonna go the rental route, and it sounds like you guys are recommending if it's longer, you should seriously consider the purchase route. But if it's a, a short, and you would say shorter being less than three months, rental could definitely be an option. And if you're mixing it in an Airbnb or whatever, what is a reasonable budget to have these experiences? What do you guys find that you were spending uh, roughly per day?
1: So I actually am writing a blog post on this right now. So I've got the numbers fresh in my mind. So for in New Zealand currency, our rig cost us about $125 a day. And they did give us a discount because we are content creators. So they gave us a $2,500 New Zealand dollar discount on our total price of our motorhome. So we ended up paying... A little under four grand USD for seven weeks in the motorhome. home. So that's a
2: really good deal. That
1: broke down to about eighty dollars a night, just for just for the rental, and then total.
2: What was the insurance package? Because you the
1: insurance was we went with a VIP level that was sixty nine dollars a day. New yeah, Zealand so pretty
2: dollars. pricey for the insurance. So our route was like we went with one of the higher end companies, you know, essentially just because we had heard a good a level.
1: Well, I'm like if you're gonna go. Over there for such a long period of time, like you want to have the best possible experience. So we're going to go with the best possible company that and because we did get a discount with them, it ended up being cheaper than the other companies that we're looking at. So it really did. Work out for us. Yeah, That's a like unique
2: situation
0: first, for you guys, of course. But exactly, totally, about totally, that.
2: yeah, yeah, totally. And I mean, this was like our first really big splurge. You know, like we had paid off debt last year. I think we talked about that on this podcast, even. And this was like we're going to go, and we're just going to like it's more than we've ever spent on anything. But we want to go, and we want to have something that we can really enjoy for our time over there. So that was kind of the rationalization with being like we're going to spend a little bit more, but it's going to be an amazing experience.
1: And I think total for the whole seven weeks of camper vaning, adding in groceries, adding in experiences, adding in um, holiday parks and gas and all that sort of stuff ended up being about 7500 USD.
0: And that's not that bad for almost two months, especially when you consider, you know, you're two people. So you have to divide that by two and imagine, okay, what's the cost per person? And then it sounds... Right. You know, and it's
1: like, New Zealand is one of the most expensive countries in the world. And we kind of knew that going into it. And so we kind of, because the U.S. dollar is so good, it kind of balanced out against like the New Zealand currency. But we kind of expected that this would be a little bit more than what it costs us on average RVing full-time in America.
2: Yeah. and it And it seemed like, you know, a lot of people, everyone's different, right? Like everyone has their own type of travel and that's fine. And it did kind of seem like we were because uh, we, we, we went to several of these freedom campsites and we would just kind of hang out and talk with other people. And, you know, some people are like, I'm going to come over there for a year in order to stretch my budget. I'm just going to be in a car or a van and maybe pick up some odd jobs here and there. Whereas we're working a little bit while we're there. So it's like, they may be just exploring and then saving up and staying long-term. So I think there's, you know, obviously all different kinds of ways to go about
0: it. Sure. And the other thing people have to remember, which it's easy to forget, is that you still spend money if you're at home, (laughs) you know? (laughs) I want to hear the everyday life type of stuff when you're living this experience because I I saw some of the pictures. I I was following you guys along when you were on the trip. (laughs) something I wanted to do. So we're friends on Facebook. So I see... um, You know, you guys having these meals out front by these beautiful views and and the ocean and whatnot, and yeah, I mean, I just want to hear your guys' everyday experience and what was your, did you have a routine? Were you staying in one place for a long time? Were you moving around every day? How did you guys tackle it?
1: We move every day.
2: Yeah, and it was part of it was because the rig batteries would charge as we when you're driving. When you're driving, and most of us, we stayed in a lot of freedom campsites, so I don't like there was maybe twice where we stayed in this, maybe two or three times where we stayed in the same spot for more than one night, right?
1: Yeah. Very rare. Yeah. So we were driving almost every single day and we spent a good chunk of our time in like the southern part of the southern island where there's, um, that's where Queenstown is. And that's where the Remarkables mountain range is and Fjordland National Park and, and Mount Cook. And so, Everywhere you go is just like, here's these national parks, and here's these trails, and here's these waterfalls, and oh, and here's the ocean and the lake. And so there's just a bazillion things to do all around. So we would kind of just plot out a week at a time and say, okay, we're going to go to this area, and we have a day that we're going to do a hike, and a day that we're going to go jet boating, and a day that we're going to go do this. And so we kind of planned it out because we were vlogging the whole time and making YouTube videos. We kind of planned it out where we'd have one, maybe two days a week where we would be in one place and we would work all day and keep running our our blog and our podcast and everything while we were over there. But every other day it was, we're going and we're making today an adventure and we're gonna do something really fun.
0: So you would work one day and and just soak up travel the next?
1: Yeah, I think I probably worked on average like maybe 10 hours a week.
2: Which is super rare for us. And it was like, it was kind of weird because for the six months year, probably the last couple years, It's just been in a period of like really heads down mode. Like we had just hosted our conference uh, a few, like a month before we left for New Zealand. So like we were planning for that and we flew, I think we spoke three times right before and had a client gig, like right after. So it was going like from 90. We went
1: from working like, 60 hours a week to them going to like, like 10 hours a week. And it was amazing. <laughs> yeah, it was
2: amazing. But I, I also struggled with it a little bit because I like, didn't know what to do with myself when we first got over there because it was just that's so true. foreign for us to ha- But that was the whole goal. It was like going hard for a period of time and really trying to take advantage of like, hey, we're in New Zealand. This is amazing. And we're going to try to do as much as we as, can.
1: As digital nomads, Like that's a big, like, difficult thing. Like Try to find that balance between enjoying your travels And actually working on your business and making enough money. And our goal was that before we left for New Zealand, we were going to end all of our client relationships so that whenever we were... Out there traveling, all we had to do was like run our blog and run our podcast, so that we could really scale down on work and really enjoy my our software travels. business. And, and your software business, <laughs> I don't have to do anything for your software business, so I never count that. <laughs> yeah,
2: taking phone calls. It's a nineteen-hour time difference, so I every other week I did have a three thirty a.m. phone call, which was a little bit brutal. Yeah, uh, but. I mean, if you, if you don't have to take phone calls and stuff, it's not a big deal. But I did struggle a little bit with the time difference just because I my, I have a bootstrap software business. So it's just like still handling some support and things like that where it was a little bit of a challenge.
0: Do you want to share what it is really quickly just so people can check it out? Yeah. So
2: it's just a, it's a property management system called Campground Booking. Um, we help power online reservations for campgrounds so people can like find and book campsites and stuff like that.
0: Awesome. I don't know if you guys felt this semi burnout. It sounds like if you're wanting to dial things back, were you getting burnt out? Like, a, hey, we need to we need to dial it back.
2: Totally. Yeah. And it was totally self-induced, right? Just for a lo- for a long time, we were like, we're going to add one big thing. Like, we're only going to do one extra thing each And, year. and then after a while... You have a lot of big things that you've added <laughs> onto your plate. And so now it's just been a period of like, what can we remove? And we were managing clients, and like, honestly, a lot of them were pretty outsourced. And we had people that we had hired to help, like, do, you know, consulting. And we were helping com- companies in the RV space with content strategy and social and stuff. And we gave away all those clients to people who were prepared, you know, like, good at that stuff. And it was just like, being in periods where trying to remove things because you do get burnout and you're all and somebody said it the other day, and it kind of related to both of us, which is like decision fatigue. Like when you're always on the go and always moving, it's like, am I going to go to a new place today? What am I going to do? Especially
1: when you're an RV, right? Because you you have to drive anyway. Like if you even want to go to the grocery store, it's like, well, okay, we have to pack up everything and go. And so it's like always having to make that decision every single night. Where am I going to park tonight? And then, you know, kind of going through that mental checklist of, is it safe? Do I have enough gas? Do I am I going to be parked in the sun so I can get solar? All those little things. And the decision fatigue wears you down if you move, if you travel too fast, yeah, and as many a, new RVers learn. And
2: for a long time, and I mean, for a while, too, like all the things that you just said are really the appeal, right? Like the freedom, like you can go anywhere, you can park yeah, anything, totally. park anywhere and see lots of stuff. So. Uh, but yeah, after a while, if you're moving too quickly, like we were moving really quickly in New Zealand, afterwards, we were like, we need a little bit of a break.
0: <laughs> yeah, I want to get back to the travel stuff. I just have one more work-related question. Well, maybe I'll have more later. But it, I've heard the internet <laughs> is not that good there. Was that a challenge at all?
1: Everyone <laughs> told us that too. They're like, the, the internet is terrible. And so we paid $10 a day to get the built-in Wi-Fi on our wilderness rig. And it was Amazing, like like
2: 30 gigs down.
1: Fastest internet I've ever had in my really? life. We we're we were so we were worth parked, it. <laughs> right. We were parked by the lake on like a scenic drive. Like there's not a town either direction for like 20-30 minutes, and we we're getting 50 megs down, like 10 up. And I'm like, what is this amazing? Wi-Fi. It's called Wireless Nation. Yeah. If you are I, we almost,
2: we almost didn't get it just because we were just going to do like a hotspot. But because I mean, at 48 days, we paid over $400, right. you know, for this Wi-Fi. But this, this is Wi-Fi part of your for,
0: work. right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah.
2: So so we had to have something. We, but our friends give us a hotspot. So we just thought about activating that and paying for a data plan kind of as you go.
1: But because like so much of our business has always been video, like we use a ton of data, uploading videos to YouTube and all that sort of thing. So... There was no cap on the data with the Wi-Fi that we got. Having that, one hundred percent worth, worth it. it. If you ever rent from Wilderness, get the internet.
2: Yeah, and the other the other thing was that we noticed is that like coffee shops are were a different vibe there as I'm sure they are in lots of different countries Mm -hmm. but it wasn't really acceptable to just like haul your laptop into coffee shops in New Zealand at least the ones we went into outside of the bigger cities because we went to a lot of small towns we didn't spend much time in cities Mm -hmm. and so it was just like obviously we're going to go in there and spend money but it was we never really super felt welcome to just like we
1: were always the only people with laptops yeah
2: yeah there were it you don't see a lot of other people just like cranking away. And maybe we were going to the wrong places. I don't know. But I feel like we went to quite a few and almost never did we see other people working from coffee shops except yeah. for us.
0: The South Island versus the North Island thing. Can you give us a little bit of a breakdown on like South Island versus North Island and maybe just a little bit about like, I don't know, time of year and and, and some of the, the main things to see in those places?
1: So we definitely recommend going in a shoulder season. Summer for them, like December through February, is gonna be when there's like this huge surge of tourists. So we went in the fall because you know, when you're camping, like you don't want to be surrounded by a million other people. You wanna kind of have room to like sprawl out and like enjoy nature. So we very intentionally chose to go in the fall. And I would highly recommend it. The leaves changing color there was just un unreal. We started on the South Island and we figured because you know, we were starting in fall, it was only going to get colder that we would start south, make our way through all the mountains first, and then head up to the North Island and do all the beaches and stuff um, after that. I would definitely say spend way more time on the South Island than the North Island. We almost didn't do the North Island because we didn't think we were going to have enough time, but we kind of like weighed the pros and cons. And we're like, well, we already flew all the way over here. We might as well pay for the ferry, ferry over to the North Island and, and and do them both. And I'm really glad we did because they are very different. The South Island is very, very mountainous and very raw. There's a million people on the South Island versus 4 million people on the North Island. And the North Island is a smaller island too. So you really feel like when you're on the South Island, like you're, you're the only person around. And there were a few times where, We would be outside and we were the only people around, which is um, also not scary because there's not bears in New Zealand, (laughs) in America, when we're like the only people around. In the mountains, I always get really nervous because I'm like, if I am attacked by a bear, I'm going to die. But you don't have to worry about that over there. So that's a perk. And then the North Island is beautiful in a totally different way. They have a ton of volcanoes, a ton of geothermal activity, and amazing beaches. Yeah. Amazing, amazing beaches. We
2: did find a beach. It's uh, it's a hot beach is what it's called. And you can dig in the sand and basically make your own hot tub because as you dig down, there's hot water.
1: From the geothermal. From the geothermal. Volcano stuff. Yeah.
2: And so because we didn't ask around or do enough research, we went to one on the opposite side of the island that we were on and so we were like the only ones there pretty much. But everyone's like, it is, this a-
1: it's the only time in my life where I've legitimately been the only person on a beach. Actually, and it was really cool.
2: But actually several times in New Zealand, like we were on the West Coast and there's nobody like we're on this mm-hmm. amazing, beautiful beach and there's nobody around for miles. And it's kind of weird, but also just really cool. And the other thing I was going to say just about like driving around New Zealand is that there's signs everywhere. You could tell they just had a ton of accidents and things like that because the, the, the signs everywhere see New Zealand roads are different drive slowly so they're mm-hmm. extremely windy through mountains and curvy everywhere and so I remember when we picked up our rig they talked about like it has cruise control you won't use it on the South Island because there's not many straight roads and they were totally right because you're always windy uh, so that's why the the cars are a lot smaller and things like that But it is
1: it does mean that every single drive that you take is a scenic drive exactly it it is beautiful everywhere you go
2: yeah so i would say i'm probably a bigger fan of the south island as well we like Mm -hmm. we spent a lot more time there
1: we probably did six weeks in the south island and two weeks on the north island and i would say if you're gonna go for two months that's probably like the perfect split
2: we did also meet people that were like we love the north island better so it's 100 percent preference but we love the south island yeah
0: like everything but it sounds like shoulder season's a winner and and You know, for the free camping spots, the freedom camping. I guess that's why you guys were always able to get spots, and it wasn't a problem, just because there weren't as many people traveling. Is that totally? Yeah, there wasn't as many people. One thing
1: that they do have over there is uh, Camper Mate. That's the name of the app, right? And so on this app, every single like possible campsite is on there with um, like comments and reviews. And so we could see on there when we were going places, it was like get here like before noon or this parking lot or this freedom spot is going to fill up. And so it was really cool to be able to see stuff like that. And then like we would have the parking lot to ourselves. So the shoulder season thing made a
2: huge difference for that. Yeah, Cambermaid also shows like propane fills and water hookups and things like that. And things
1: to do in the area. Yeah. That's super
0: useful. Any other resources you guys recommend for apps or websites or anything
1: that you haven't? We did. Yeah, we
2: did actually... Uh, document and take photos of every single campsite that we stayed at on the island. So mm-hmm. heathandalissa.com, dot I'll shoot you like a link with all of it, but it's like forty plus campsites that we loved. So Yeah, that
1: we stayed at. But mostly Campermate we used to to find them all. And then the other one is called Rankers.
2: We never really but used we didn't, that one.
1: The interface on Campermate we liked a lot more.
2: Yeah, it was just easy. The map was the maps were offline. So if we never if we didn't ever have service, but most of the time we did, so it wasn't an issue.
0: One of my favorite parts about the RV lifestyle in the U.S. is just the the random characters, I guess you could say, <laughs> that you meet in the RV areas where you park and and sleep, whether the campgrounds or whatever. What's the biggest difference between the RV lifestyle in the states and the camper vaning lifestyle in New Zealand? Are are are, are you next to locals? Is it just more travelers, or what's the difference?
2: I think the big the big difference that I noticed, and I think it's more of just a cultural difference, is like, New Zealanders work less. Like, when we were over there, Kiwis, what they're called, uh, they don't ask you what you do, they take way more holidays in the US. And the reason why that is relevant is because whenever we were Traveling around and hanging out and, and being a lot of freedom campsites and DOC sites people may have been on like a six-month sabbatical or a 12-month sabbatical So they were out just really exploring the country and they were on an adventure that they had been preparing for So when you're in the US RVing it's just like a random campground on I would say like 70% of the time unless I'm in like a national or state park a lot of time It's just maybe like a, a snowbird who has like come down from the north to go south or maybe like a retiree or something like would you say that a lot of times it's
1: I, I would know. say the big difference is usually in America you see in in like if you're talking about national and state parks it's families out for like a summer vacation or a long weekend or it's retirees or snowbirds that are you know traveling cuz they're they're not working anymore yeah and of course but over there it was so many germans and it was mostly people from Europe that were on holiday, camper vaning over there. And what we learned, and you probably already know this because you're more plugged into the international travel world, is that in Germany, when you have a baby, both parents get a year off of work. Is it that a true? Year. Is
0: that really? I have no idea.
1: Yeah, that's what that family that we met.
0: That's a lot. I mean, well, we get a year in Norway collectively. Oh, uh-huh. wow. Almost a year. It's like 48 weeks or something. That's amazing. Awesome. Because
1: there was a lot of like German families with with babies that were taking their, they were over there for like six months at a time to camper van around the country.
2: But there are so many uh, camper van rental companies in New Zealand. It's insane. So I I do feel like when people come over there, it's very much like a we're on an intentional adventure. We're going to be over here for a week or several weeks or several months.
1: And I would say most people were staying for longer.
2: Yeah. Most people are staying for longer periods of time. So it's almost like a totally different vibe that you get uh, RVing in the U S where that may be like people have been, are doing it for years or maybe it's just like a weekend or I don't know if that makes sense. It's kind of just rambling a little bit, but it's totally different.
0: <laughs> are there camper vans that could accommodate a, a family of four, for example?
1: Yes.
2: Yeah. The, I mean the company we rented through, they have uh, camper vans that can sleep like six. Okay. So totally. Yeah, I was just curious yeah.
0: how I, big they get because I know they can be smaller, especially with the roads. So
2: yeah, the one that we had was like a rear twin bed and then they had other models that was this, they were the same layout. Uh, so they had a rear twin bed. But then in the front of the rig, you have a bed that comes down from the ceiling. So I don't think you'd want to maybe put like a little baby, like obviously on the bed. <laughs> really good. But I mean, there's room. That's there's like room the camper
0: vanning uh, Murphy bed, right? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, <laughs> The camper van version. People always wonder about safety, you know, especially when it comes to you know, being out on the road in remote areas like you're talking about you know, to get more specific with that, I I mean, I don't know if if it's a question in terms of violence or things like that, but a lot of times it's petty stuff, right? Like you go trekking for four days into, or tramping, excuse me, or you walk on a track for four days and you just have your your rig parked wherever and then you come back. I mean, have you guys heard or do you have any tips about the safety situation there? I think
2: what we did over there is the same thing we do in the US, which is just read reviews and use common knowledge, like common sense, I guess. Mm -hmm. And so if we read reviews of a place that were like, hey, this is pretty sketchy at night.
1: There was only that one time around Rotorua on the North Island where everywhere on the app on um, CamperMate was saying like, watch out for car thieves, like lock up all your belongings because it's really common in this area. But for the majority of both islands, it was very safe. And we didn't have to worry about that at all. It was just that one concentrated area. And there were a lot of warnings made available to us so that we kind of knew and could look out for that.
2: Yeah. So that was really the best resource was we used that. And so every place we went to, you could see 5, 10, 15 or more reviews of people that said had a great experience, nice, clean campsite. Mm -hmm. So it's like, well, looks like at least 50, 100, probably way more people than that have stayed here and they were totally fine. So I probably will be too. And a lot of times, I don't think we ever were the only ones at a freedom campsite. So there was once once. okay. so every other time there were at least a couple other people in the area who were camping as well. So I think that always made me feel a little bit better because there's always just like random people that are going to be here and there around you. So you're not like the only ones out in the middle of nowhere.
0: Uh, Speaking of criminals, it would be a crime if I didn't ask you guys about the food (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> um were you cooking a lot of your own food and how is the food down there?
1: Uh before we went people kind of told us like the food in New Zealand is just kind of meh and we had already planned on you know first saving money and because um I'm gluten free that we would just kind of make most of our meals and that's what we're used to RVing anyway so we made a majority of our meals most of our eating out budget went to coffee their coffee is incredible.
2: So good. Oh my
1: gosh. And,
2: and the and the me
0: even further if that's
1: possible. <laughs> yeah.
2: So we didn't realize it before going, again, international travel newbies. We had just not done much international travel at all. Mm -hmm. And so when we got over there, like we didn't realize that they don't just they don't drink drip coffee. Like everything is Italian roast or espresso. Everything's
1: some type of espresso drink. There's no such thing as drip coffee.
2: So flat white. So like I made that mistake of going to a restaurant and being like, can I just get a cup of coffee? And they looked at me like I was crazy and then proceeded to not bring me anything because I didn't specify. (laughs) So I had no idea about that. It was just something that it's like, okay, well, now I know that. (laughs) <laughs> but there there when we asked there wasn't really a lot of good answers around like what is the food of New Zealand but there are a strange amount of like chinese food places and then like fish and chip takeout like weird like
1: within the same restaurant any like every single town you would go to there would be a building that would be like malaysian food and fish and chips or chinese takeout and fish and chips so i think that that's kind of like the cultural blend of food that you get in New Zealand is like Asian and then Fishing. fish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> I, don't th- I don't think New Zealand really has like their own like signature food at all. But I mean, they do have like a lot of uh, lamb down there. Yeah, that's true. But they don't have like a a dish that at least that we found that was like, oh, this is New Zealand food.
2: And if they did, if they did, and someone corrects us, we're always down to go back and try it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Got it. Cool. Anything we missed? Just any sort of wisdom from the excursion, uh, something that would just help people if they decided to go?
1: I think the biggest thing that we took away from it is, you know, we were really intimidated to then go to a country where you're driving on the wrong side of the car and the wrong side of the road than what you're used to. And it was so much easier than we thought that was going to be. And actually, whenever we got back to America, we flew um, actually from New Zealand, like back to Hawaii for a wedding and we picked up the rental car and like we both got in on the wrong side and we're like we were sneaking out driving on American roads because we just had no idea yeah. how how to do it anymore. So getting adjusted to that was actually very easy and not intimidating at all.
2: Yeah, this is more, I guess, practical. But if you happen to have a layover through Sydney, because a lot of airports do, you need to get a visa.
1: Oh, yeah, we do. Yeah,
2: it took like 10 minutes online beforehand. But like if you just even have to like leave to go out and like come back through at security, like it's just kind of a helpful thing to know before you go. So you're not scrambling at the airport to try to do that.
0: It's funny, I rented a car in Ireland one day, a long time ago. And I remember just, just being so scared every time I went to a place I needed to turn and just looking but wait no that's the wrong way oh wait no okay hold on (laughs) and just you know having to flip everything over so it's good to know that yeah okay that was one day so once you get beyond a day you do get used to it i suppose right yeah (laughs) absolutely
1: i think it took us two days and then we're like okay we got this this,
0: (laughs) i'm picturing you guys for some reason because this is kind of taking us back to the beginning but i'm just picturing you guys getting in that camper van and like hitting that first stretch of road who were you guys then? And who were you guys at the end of the trip? Did you did it change you at all?
2: Oh, so I remember that. We left, we left Christchurch. We were jamming Eli Young album, which is like <laughs> our favorite album, uh, I would say. Such, Such a great music.
0: feeling just to, that first, you know, when you first hit the road, and you have the whole trip ahead of you. Yeah, mm-hmm. I could
2: answer for me. And then if you want to layer on Alyssa, <laughs> I think for me, I became a lot. Alyssa got to see me be a lot lower stress version of myself. Like being in the US and I don't know if it's been like work stuff or I honestly think it was like the size of our RV that we've been traveling in. We bought a bigger rig because we wanted the workspace. But the result was that during drive days, I would be extremely stressed. We're driving this 33 foot rig with a big tow car. So we're over 40 feet long. You know, if Google Maps takes you down a weird road, it's just really stressful. You stand out. It's hard to get in gas stations sometimes. And so I just constantly kind of be a little bit uh, a tight wad. whenever we're trying to maybe that is that a money tight, term.
1: You're tightly wound tightly
2: wound. That. Yeah, there you go So like I need to know where we're staying tonight And but when we were we were over in New Zealand I think because we were in a smaller rig and I was just like willing to go and be more carefree and be more adventurous And I like that version of myself a lot more. So I feel like I learned that about me It's like maybe I'm not just a tightly wound person. It actually really helps it, It's just the fact that I'm driving this giant RV down the road and that's yeah, kind of well, stressful. driving
1: your house on the road is it's yeah. A stressful thing, I've driven a lot of so. big vehicles like that and I
0: totally understand how you feel. It's not fun <laughs> when you're not sure exactly if the map's going to take you the right way. I mean, I've definitely ended up in situations trying to back up a big thing with a trailer and it's just it is stressful, man. But it's nice to know that that's not Yeah, I mean you were kind of like you're like, "Hey, this is my personality. This is just who I am," but it's not as just, you know, separate from from that. Exactly. So that's a pretty big yeah. I think so realization, I would say yeah absolutely yeah. what about you Alyssa
1: for me I think the biggest thing was I've really been wanting for Heath and I to travel internationally together like we've been to Mexico together we've been to Canada together but those I don't know they didn't really count in my mind because growing up in Texas it's like okay well Mexico's right there I've been to Mexico five times and and going to Canada is, is still really similar to America so to fly you know overnight like 30 hours of travel to get to new zealand and and go on this adventure just just heath and i was just really ignited in me this like wonderlust, like this travel bug to get out and and travel internationally and it's always been like my my dream like bucket list item to like live abroad or to at least spend the majority of a single calendar year out of the country and so having done Um, New Zealand and Australia for like two and a half months. And we're in Canada right now. We'll be in Canada for three months and we're flying to to Thailand in the fall. I'm like, I counted it up. I'm two weeks away from like hitting that goal (laughs) of spending more than half a year out out of America. And it just it really really excites me i like cried booking our tickets to <laughs> thailand yesterday cuz i'm like oh my gosh like we're actually like we're doing this and we're 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 branching out cuz we started traveling full time cuz we just wanted to to start our marriage off traveling together and doing something different and eventually, you know, travel in America became just the norm. Traveling full time, it wasn't difficult anymore. And so to be able to continue to push our comfort zone by going to new countries and, and RVing across the world, which is our new bucket list item to RV everywhere where RVing is cool. It, it just, it's really exciting for me. And I'm I'm pumped to see where we go next.
0: What do your friends and family think of all this?
2: Oh, they want to go to New Zealand with us. They uh, do want of to our, go to New Zealand. Yeah, some of our friends actually spent the first two weeks of our trip in New Zealand. They rented a van, a juicy they van, met up with us. and we did our first two weeks together. And so we love traveling with friends. Like our family comes to visit us on the road. Our friends mm-hmm. were always trying to like get to come caravan with us because it's we. I think it's so much more fun having these cool experiences. What's well, more fulfilling, right? Yeah. So if but you are guys... when we
1: first started, it was very much like uh, this is weird. What are you doing? Oh, yeah. It's
2: totally weird. Like, you're going to move into an RV that looks breaking baddish. But I think since we like have jobs, like quote unquote jobs now in our business and stuff, it's. Well, seemed...
1: being a digital nomad is more normal, right? Yeah. Like, you see articles <laughs> about it posted on Facebook or the internet or wherever. And so almost everyone has heard of it now and understands that it's possible. So now I, I think our lifestyle is a little bit
0: better. A little bit yeah, less. I mean, weird. I guess yeah. as I was wondering, like, you know, some of them working in office, they're like, man, what do you, why are we doing? You know, you guys are out there doing this. What am I thinking? <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, no, I, I mean, that's kind of how I felt is like for over four years ago when we were in office jobs, I remember like following people online. Specifically, there's like a dude living in a truck camper that I started following on Instagram. He's out there taking these awesome photos and just being in cool places. I'm like, what am I doing with my life? Like, why am I not doing that? Because that looks awesome. And, And of course, like with anything, you get the grass is greener and it's travel doesn't solve all of your life problems and you still have to find ways to make money. And of course, all the logistics side of things. But I would say if I had to choose between like adventuring and trying to figure out wi-fi and all of that in an rv versus sitting in an office like it's a it's a Mm -hmm. (laughs) no-brainer
0: nice that's a great way to end i think and i will mention just because we talked swapping earlier that uh hey, you know, you guys want to do more international traveling. We have this place in Norway. We we wouldn't mind taking an RV around the States. So, you know, maybe there's some, yeah. maybe there's some potential Top. things there later. I don't know. <laughs> I'll have to dig into that later. But uh, no, really, it's uh it's always a pleasure to chat with you two. Congrats on everything you have going on. If you would like one more time, please feel free to share your, um you know, the places people can find you. Of course, we'll we'll include the links to things mentioned here in the show notes as well. But go ahead and share that if you'd like.
2: Mostly just heathandalyssa.com and and on YouTube, Facebook, uh, Instagram, all that. Yeah, if
1: you want to see all the videos of New Zealand, I'm actually, well, I'm sure this podcast isn't getting posted today, but today I'm posting our final episode of our New Zealand Adventure Zone. So those are on YouTube at Heath and Alyssa.
0: Awesome. Congrats on everything you guys have going on and hope to have you back again. I mean, you're going through Canada now, so maybe, you know, we have to do the Canadian version of this. (laughs) Who knows what all those terms are and I don't know what they call it there. Maybe they just call it, you know, RV. They just call it RV. Okay, yeah. okay. We don't have I to have a so. glossary of terms <laughs> so for the next one. That's awesome. Okay. Thank you guys so much. We'll chat soon. Thanks, Thanks Jason. Jason. Thanks, right, Cheers. There you have it. I want to thank Keith and Alyssa for stopping by today's show. Check them out. They gave you all their links and everything. They're so cool. I can't wait to hang out with them in some RV or some camper van somewhere at some point. I know it's going to happen. If you guys are listening to this, it is going to happen. We just have to figure that out. When and where, I don't know. But when it does, I'm sure we'll record another podcast episode. So thanks to them. I'm going to share this story and shout out from one of the listeners in the Zero to Travel caravan. I mentioned it earlier. She talked about taking a break and how that affected her life and travel. Share that in just a minute. First a quote. I know I leave a quote usually at the end of the show, but I'm going to give you a quote right now. And this quote is from Unknown, who's a very popular person. has been quoted many times. I'm kidding. Unknown says, never underestimate the importance of being properly caffeinated like I am right now, if you can't tell. If you want to get properly caffeinated by properly, I mean with something that tastes delicious, go to aeropressinc.com, get one of their coffee makers. This thing has changed my life. No more crappy cups of coffee at home. No more decent cups of coffee at home. Only fantastic cups of coffee at home. Aeropressinc.com. I'm obsessed with it. I use it almost every day. And I know you're going to love it too. And it's on this show because I'm a big fan. And also, this thing travels well. When I started talking to them, I said, well, yeah, we can talk about this on the show because I use this all the time. I love it. And it's also great for travel. Aeropressinc.com. Make delicious cups of coffee anywhere you go with the best coffee maker on the planet. You're going to find it there. Check it out. Thanks again to them for supporting today's show. Let me give a shout out here to my friend, Abby. She said, Hi, Jason. I've been listening to your podcast nonstop ever since some kind soul for the life of me. I can't remember who it was told me about zero to travel. You've inspired and encouraged and made me laugh out loud in the car and have put many of my exact feelings about traveling into words. Thanks Abby. I'm glad to hear that. She says, I have always loved traveling and was fortunate enough to be raised by a family who went on many vacations, been to central America all over the Caribbean, Alaska and many of the States. The best decision I've ever made was taking a semester off of college to travel Europe. It was the trip of a lifetime. I learned so much about myself and it changed my life forever. Now I am planning to move to New Zealand for a year I've been planning this trip for almost two years now after pushing myself to finish college before I left I've been saving up money since January and now my trip is less than two months away I'm starting to get the before trip jitters and honestly I'm a little terrified even though I've traveled by myself before moving to a different country is something so different and definitely out of my comfort zone but I'm so excited and know that this trip will change me in ways I can't imagine I want to say thank you for uh, encouraging inspiring me throughout the planning journey And just goes on to say a lot of nice things. So thank you, uh, Abby, and congratulations on your upcoming trip to New Zealand. Bringing it full circle. See how that happens? Just brought it full circle. (laughs) Uh, Thank you for writing and so happy for you. And I've heard this a lot. And maybe it's because people are writing me and, and the people that have taken time off to travel and had a bad experience aren't writing me. If you took time off to travel and had a bad experience with it, let me know. I'm not opposed to sharing uh, the other side of things as well, as you know, listening to this show. But I have found generally that the people have that check in, with me at least, and talk about how they took time off to travel, really anybody that I've talked to about travel, whether it's through this podcast or through this community or on the street or when I'm traveling in hostels or wherever, I, c- I can't think of one person who has said, ah, you know what, I took time off to travel and it's just... It wasn't work it, worth it. I was really uh, just glad to get back to my job. I, I don't know. That that that's hasn't been a thing that I've heard before. So I wanted to share this shout out, A, because it involved New Zealand, and B, if you are somebody who has thought about taking some time off to travel, it's just a little more uh, motivation for you. It always helps to hear somebody else's experience. Anyway, congrats to Abby for making it happen and you never know when you take time off to travel what direction that's going to put your life into it sounds like it's sending her in the direction of the southern hemisphere all the way to New Zealand which is awesome and maybe I'll meet you there next year I don't know I don't know when I'm going to be there but I am going to be there my friend so anyway thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this show as always it's a pleasure I loved doing the series this month four-wheeled Wandering. We had uh, an interesting variety of guests all around the topic of travel and sleeping and vehicles. I had a blast with it. I hope you did as well. And we're moving on. I've got some really exciting episodes in the can for you. So if you have not subscribed and become part of the Zero to Travel Caravan officially, subscribe to this podcast. It's free. You can subscribe wherever you get podcasts. Maybe you hear the word subscribe and you're thinking, I don't want to subscribe. That's going to cost me money. You're thinking of magazine subscriptions or something Oh, This is a podcast. It's free. You just hit subscribe and then you get all of these shows for free. And uh, I hope you enjoy them. And I've got some live interviews coming up. And got another one with my wife coming up soon. Top 10 places we're dying to visit that we've never been. And a whole bunch of other uh, great shows planned for you for the rest of the year as we keep this caravan rolling. This is a community-powered show. Please check in anytime. Let me know what topics you want me to cover, guests you want me to have on, or anything like that. I am here to serve. Okay, have a wonderful day. Thanks for your time, and I'll see you next time. Cheers.
1: This podcast has been brought to you by ZeroToTravel.com. Ideas and advice to make your travel dreams a reality.